Good afternoon, good afternoon. Hey, church, hey. Who's all happy to be here? Amen. Yeah, I know I'm happy. Truth be told, and I've been telling everyone this, but I was definitely not supposed to be here today. Uh, I got a text this morning, and within 20 minutes, I was out the door. And I was out the door because this is a place worth being. This is a place worth a two-hour drive. This is a place worth coming when you have lack of sleep. This is a place worth coming when you need healing or when you need anything that you got to have. This is the place to be. And I'm so happy that y'all are here. And I'm so happy that we're here because this is a place of... Oh, I was going to think of another word, but deliverance, because that's our next song. But it really is. It really is. This is such a place of deliverance and of miracles and of happiness and of joy. And so let's worship like this is a place of happiness and joy. Let's worship like this is a place of change where we can jump and we can scream and we can worship to our heart's content. Because that's why we're here. So if y'all follow us into this next song, just worship. Worship with your heart's content.
one of those is surely that I do have a praise. I've got one so strong and so great within my heart. And it's so crazy because I have a praise for so many things. I've got a praise for my friends who have decided to come to UPC and stay. That's one of the biggest praises I've got. Another praise is my family. No matter how, no matter what goes on, no matter what we may lose, they're still here. I've got a praise that my friend who's an atheist came to this church and he said, you know what? I don't go to church, but if I did, this is the exact one I go to. And there is so much power and there is so much in the power of praise. And I don't usually do this and I hope this is okay, but I want you to think of what you've got to praise for. One of them is for everyone on this platform, just this entire church. And I've got to praise that even though I do go to high school where it's very, very dark, I'm still surrounded by so much light. So we're going to sing, I've got to praise again, if that's okay. And you're going to grab a hold of your praise and you're going to throw it into the air, no matter how small and no matter how big it may be. And you're going to run with it and go crazy because you know what we're going to need this week? We're going to need strength because we don't get this till next week. So we're going to sing I've got a praise again and I'll be back for I've got a praise. I got a praise and I got to let it out. I got a praise. I got a praise. I got a praise and I got to let it out. I got a praise. I got a praise. I got a praise and I got to let it out. I'm not afraid.
the Spirit of God, because that's what we're here for. And I think it's such an amazing thing. And I'll be doing prayer tonight and speaking about entertaining the Spirit of God. There is something I really, really wanted to say when I was up here tonight, and it was about the people that taught me how to tarry in the Spirit of God, and that's brother and sister uh, Stephen and Callan. Uh, I don't know if most of you know this, but this fact has been blowing me away, and it's so exciting. They've been my youth pastors for three years, like this past week, and that's, that's phenomenal. That's so good. And since I was up here, I really wanted the chance just to honor how great they are because they became youth ministers uh, three years ago, and I don't know if most of you remember, but as soon as they became youth pastors, basically that's when COVID happened. So as they're taking in this new mantle, they also took the mantle of COVID. So I really appreciate that. And over the past three years, they have just taken in me and my friends, and they have sacrificed so much, and they have taught us so much more than a usual youth ministers would teach their kids. They're teaching us, like, this great, deep spiritual content that I'm so grateful that I have. And so we love and we appreciate all of you. And I think it's such a testament that not only my friends that are here love you guys so much, but my friends that are at school who don't even appreciate like faith, that's not their thing. They tell me constantly how much they love Stephen and Callan. And I will forever thank you guys for that. And from the deep spiritual content to staying at y'all's house till 3 a.m. in the morning. You guys have truly blessed my life. And these are people who have prayed for us in times that are hardest and times of victory. And they also pray with us out here too. And as we think about prayer, I mean, to say these needs, and there's just so much power in prayer. And I've learned that from my youth ministers. So as we're thinking about that, I pray that we're there for Nelson and Missy Miller, Lee Armstrong, Mary Harden, Jan Dyke and Greg Lawson, uh, the Nichols family. I pray for the McFartridge family, Carl Thompson, Don Howell, Sister Jane Lay, Cindy Pitson, Alan and Annette Brockway, uh, the Gamberry family, the Ponce family, the La Rosa family, uh, the Bowden family. Monica Helm, Ursi, the Brandon Hutchins, Bob Bolton, T.W. Hosh, Louis Weems, Dennis Shannon, Billy Bolte, the Foster family, brother and sister Bristow, brother and sister Proctor, brother and sister Trinata, Steve Gibbs, the Pratt family, Amber Thomas, Tony Lane, and brother and sister Dickie. And though, though it may seem like a lot of names to us, it's minuscule compared to who our God is. So Jesus, together, we bind together and we pray for your healing and your touch upon all of these lives, for your blood and your miraculous healing to flow throughout all of us together as one for complete unity and complete grace. We worship you. surrender this is my surrender 
I was sitting in the prayer room before we came up here and I was praying and it hit me while I was praying and I was just letting God move on me. And I was praying and I've said, I said this last time, but I started praying for my nation again, um, our nation. And I was asking that there's tons of people who are following God who will pray and pray and pray. And that's amazing. But you can pray 
that something would take place in this nation, but until you take action on those prayers and what God has given you, it there can't be a there can't be a change. That's I'm I'm not I don't know if I'm in a place to say this or not, but like this world's going into chaos and part of me wants to believe that it's because we we want to have all of this but in the church. Why can't we have this in in our city, in our state, in our nation? Because we can't we can't want change. We can't have change until you take action. I can pray that I can be right here, but I'm not gonna be right here until I make that that move. So I'm gonna challenge us to pray, of course, but take action on your prayers and what's in them and what God has moved in you. If the ushers would come, we'll take offering. Jesus for all this people in this congregation God, ask Lord that you would anoint Brother Stephen as he comes and speaks Lord and that you would help us to open our hearts and minds to you God to receive something Jesus, ask Lord that you would bless the giver in Jesus name
change everything chains fall You change everything Lies heal No
I feel him in this place tonight. He's already begun moving, preparing, and it's up to us to receive it. It's up to us to be a part of what he's wanting to do here tonight, to be sensitive to his voice, to his movements, what he's wanting to do. He is ready to do something. It may just be in my own life, but somebody's life he's going to move tonight. And the choice is yours to be available or to continue on business as usual. And so I have, you may be seated for a moment. I have I had a message ready um, to, to preach and I was, I was excited about it. And then God began kind of teasing me during the second song that I may not be preaching it. And he brought another one to my mind, but then he's, he began, and so I texted Brother Micah as fast as I could, trying to, you know, let him know, like, hey, listen, things might be changing. And then God told me, he said, well, hang on, I didn't say get rid of the first one yet. And so I was like, well, oh, Micah, hang on, I'm getting more info in from God. And so, so he's, Micah's being a trooper up there, so I appreciate you for it. But so I believe, yes, give Brother Micah and Brother Darren a hand, our media team. And so I believe that what God brought to me is going to be a precursor for what God is wanting to speak through the original message. And so I'm going to work. I'll be sensitive and I'll be aware of your time. But I also do believe that we do have time for God to move in our lives. And so our first, it's going to be, if you can turn to Luke 2, 4 through 7. I'll let you get a chance to get it. And I will say that Stevie will get you your money here soon for saying all of that earlier. We, uh, you did good. But we have, we've been here for three years. Um, the 13th was three years on the dot. And today, I guess. It hadn't been easy all the time. Uh, there's been battles. Uh, but there's been a lot of victories. And so I appreciate um Y'all allowing me to be a part of your lives, a part of y'all's kids' lives. I feel like they're my kids now too. So our kids' lives. Um, and we're excited to go for another 23 years, God willing. But we're excited. And so if you're at Luke 2, uh, 4 through 7, give me an amen. If not, you've had enough time. But... It, I was conflicted because it's, it's a Christmas story. And it's, maybe some of you are the people that you're already listening to Christmas music now. I'm not. <laughs> but, and so I, I tried to fight it off, but God seems to always have a way to get his word and his message across anyway. And so Luke 2, 4 through 7 says, Now Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house of the family of David in order to register along with Mary, who he was betrothed to him. And she was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And so here the baby that they're referring to is Jesus. That it is 
the Messiah. It is the King of Kings. It is the Lord of Lords. It is time now for Jesus to be born because they were there to register for the census. They were there to count for the population and they were there and it became time for Jesus to be born. It was time for the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Savior of the world to enter onto earth. It's going to be the greatest atmospheric spiritual change that this world has ever seen up to this moment. It was ready for that to happen. This is a big, big deal. And so they go and they go, well, we need to find a place to stay. We need somewhere to go tonight. And so it's, let's go to the inn. That's where we need to go. That's where we should stay. That would be comfortable. That would make sense. And so we go, but there was, says there was no room in the place that was best suited for a child to be born at the time. That there was no room in the place where they had it all together. There was no room in the comfort of the inn, but there was room somewhere else in the stable with the manger. And that is where Jesus lay. You see, when Isaiah spoke of Jesus' birth more than 700 years beforehand, he let us know that Jesus' birth was the will of God. And the will of God will happen no matter what. That the will of God is going to take place whether you want it to or whether you don't want it to. That Jesus' very entry into this world, his very introduction was already teaching us something about him. And it was that Jesus was going to be born, not up for debate. That was certain and that it was prophecy. But where he was going to be born depended on availability. Now Isaiah forty three nineteen says, Behold, I'm going to do something new. Now it will spring up. Will you not be aware of it? Saying that God is going to move. God is going to change. God is going to restore. God is going to do the miraculous. These things are promised. But are you going to be available to see when it happens? Are you going to get, by all means, the the end succeeded that night. It filled up the rooms. It, It made a profit. It did everything that an end should do. And it missed the birth of Jesus Christ. And so now with the Bible being the number one selling book every single year that billions of copies of the Bible are sold, every single one that reads it will read about the end and refer to it as the place that missed out on the birth of Jesus. And at the very same time, the place that didn't seem like it had it all together, the A manger, a rugged piece, a trough for animals to feed in. Something that most people would reject as a birthplace and as a lying place for a king had room. And that is where Jesus lay. And so tonight, you may have come in here with shame. You may have come in here hardened. You may have come in here with things thinking that I'm I'm busy though. I've got things to do. I've got so much going on. But God is wanting availability tonight to lay down. God is going to move. God is going to do a new thing. God is going to restore. God is going to reach someone here tonight. But will you not be aware of it? Will you not know about it? Will you be an inn or will you be a manger? And tonight the choice is yours as we move into the original message. Tonight the choice is yours to allow God to move inside of you or to be so busy succeeding by the world's standards. But you miss the miraculous instead. So we could all pray right now and reach our hands toward heaven. I don't want any of us to miss out on what God's wanting to do because of our own lives, because of our own wills, because of our own thoughts. But God, what you want to do, let me be available to you, God. Let me be willing, God, to allow you 
to be a part of my life, to dwell in me, God. And I pray that you allow me to minister your word exactly how you want me to. And Lord, I pray that you touch us tonight, that you tenderize our hearts and our spirits to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone say amen. And so if you could, this is a, a longer passage. So if you could, I wouldn't mind asking you to stand up a little bit while we read it. But it's Luke 19, 1 through 10. Luke 19, 1 through 10. And it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was, and he was unable due to the crowd because he was short in stature. So he ran on ahead and he climbed up a sycamore tree in order to see him because he was about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for today. I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. When people saw this, they began to complain, saying, he's gone to be a guest of a man who's a sinner. But Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, half of my possessions I am giving to the poor. And if I have exhorted anything from anyone, I give them back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house Because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And you may be seated. And so the title of the message here tonight is whatever it takes. Because you see, not being able to see, it's it's annoying. You've ever gone to a ball game or you've gone to somewhere you you want to be able to see but you can't quite see, see I'm, I'm, I'm not struggling in the height department. So a lot of times I really don't struggle with it. My wife, she struggles with it. And so a lot of times I get asked, what's going on? And so I was like, well, this is, and I give too much detail and we end up, we end up losing what's going on. But, uh, but luckily in a crowd, I, I can usually see what's going on, except there is one time it was, uh, Logan and Tanner and Jordan and I, the weekend before I got married, we went to a Cowboys game. And we went and we, and we got these cheap tickets that were in the standing room only. And if you can piece together what that means is there's no seats. You stand in the room only. And, and it, but it's not bad if you can get, there's this little counter area that it's on the front and you can kind of lean on it and you can see. And we had gotten there early enough so we, that's where we were. And so I was... I was leaning there, and we were watching the game, and I could see fine. But when anything exciting happened, the row directly in front of us, the people would stand up. Then I couldn't see anymore. So I could see all of the boring stuff. I could see all of the timeouts. I could see all of the the dropped passes. But when anything good happened, this guy would stand up, and he would just be right in my face, the back of his head the whole time. And at one point, the Texans, they, they fumbled the ball, and everybody's running trying to get on, and it gets exciting, and the guy stands up in excitement right there in my face, and the crowd erupts and goes nuts, and, every, and, I, and I'm just looking at the back of this guy's head the whole time, and he turns around with the audacity and asks me rhetorically, did you see that? And I said, no. 
and he didn't process what I was meaning, and so he just turns back and keeps high-fiving people, and I missed it. So needless to say, being able to see what you paid your money for is important. It's a big deal. Being able to see what is going on is important. It is nice to be able to do. And that's where Zacchaeus is in this point of the story, that he knows that Jesus is coming by, and he wants to figure out who this guy is. And so basing off of the, what we've read in the story, we can pick up a few things, three things specifically about Zacchaeus. The first one is he's the chief tax collector, meaning he was not very popular among the people, that he went around and he collected money from people. And since he was successful, it says that he was able to, he would overcharge people and keep the extra. And then that's how he gained his wealth. Because the second thing it says was he was rich because of this tax collecting. And so he would cheat people out of their money and gotten rich doing it. But then the final thing we learn about him is he was short. That he was short. If you grew up in Sunday school, you may have had the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little, that one. And, or if you watch the skit guys, and they had the video about Zacchaeus. Um, if you, I'm getting some blank stares, so go look it up. Skit guys, Zacchaeus. And uh, it's a good one. But, so off the bat though, we are introduced to not only Zacchaeus, but also to Zacchaeus' shortcomings. No pun <laughs> No pun intended. Uh, his shortcomings as well. That some, that some of these shortcomings, though, they, they could be avoided. That the cheating, the people out there, he probably he didn't have to do that. The, the wearing, the, probably the fancy clothes that he walked around people that he used their money to buy, he probably didn't have to do all of that. But as far as his height, though, Zacchaeus, he didn't choose that one. He didn't choose that fault. He didn't choose that shortcoming. He didn't choose that weakness in that situation. It was just the hand that he was dealt. And so now I think we can relate to Zacchaeus a little bit because we all have our own weaknesses in here, that we all have our own shortcomings, that some of which we've created ourselves and that it's been our own doing. And, but sometimes we have adversities that we, that we can't quite control, that we didn't choose, but we were born into it oftentimes. You know, maybe we were born into homes or families that were less than ideal, or maybe we were born with physical shortcomings or personality flaws that hinder our quality of life. No matter who you are, where you were born, or what you do, adversity finds you. We have Job 14 and 1. It says, man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Meaning it's going to find you. There's going to be troubles. You're going to have tough times. There's going to be something that, that faces you. Even the person that you think has the most perfect life, there is something that they are up against. Something that is preventing them from reaching the full potential of their life. But now it's just up to us and how we respond to this adversity. It says that Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and he was unable to due to the crowd because he was short. In stature. So Zacchaeus here is at a crossroads. He has a choice that needs to be made due to his circumstance that was completely out of his control. One being his height and the second one being the location of all the people around him. He was not able to see Jesus clearly. So Zacchaeus had a choice to make. Will he give up and let Jesus pass him by and hope maybe the next time he can get there a little earlier, but maybe that day just wasn't 
his day or was he going to refuse to miss his opportunity to see who Jesus was, even no matter his shortcomings, no matter his weaknesses, no matter his faults. Because see, we have all been born with shortcomings and weaknesses and obstacles and challenges. And I, for one, to be personal, was born into a household where I witnessed and I experienced my dad's drug addiction growing up. And I'm not bashing on my dad. My dad taught me a lot of good life principles and life lessons, but he had flaws and he had weaknesses just like all of us in here do. See, I didn't choose that addiction. I didn't choose to grow up seeing that. I didn't choose growing up being disappointed in those situations. And I've got enough of my dad in me that I inherited his addictive personality. If anyone's been around me when I discovered baseball again semi-recently, I was obsessed with it. I, I know everything about a baseball bat you could ever ask. For no reason, I just get, I, in, I have enough of my dad in me that I, have that I inherited that addictive personality. I've got enough of my dad in me that I should be somewhere very far from a church house here tonight. That I've got enough of my dad in me that I shouldn't be holding a microphone and preaching from a pulpit. But praise unto God that I have enough of my heavenly father in me too. That is able to overcome all of the adversity. Yeah, I've got a lot of my earthly dad in me. But I've got a lot of my heavenly father in me that's saying, I know your weaknesses. I know what you were born into. But when you were born again, you were a child of God. And you can overcome those adversities. You can overcome that weakness. You can overcome those addictions. And you don't have to go through it like your dad did because I am your heavenly father. Somebody should praise God tonight right now for God seeing your flaws, your mistakes, and loving you anyway. For him being your heavenly father, for choosing you, and for calling you out of darkness. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. See, we give our earthly father a lot of credit and a lot of blame for our current circumstance. That, well, my, my dad was an addict, and so, you know, I'm, that, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm destined to be. You know, my, my dad was an alcoholic, and so that's what, it does not have to be that way. What you were saying right there is the person that God chose for you to be, that he was wrong about it. Because God has a calling on your life, and when you decide, no, this is who I need to be, you're letting God know he is wrong. And I don't know about you, but I don't know more than God. And so whenever I was decided to make up in my mind that God must know a little more than I do, and I'm not going to be who I thought I was going to be. I'm not going to be who it would make sense for me to be because of who my family is, but I'm going to be who God says that I am going to be. And I'm going to allow our Heavenly Father to change what my earthly father gave me. Because, see, it's easy to talk negative about your parents, what they've passed down to you. But when you begin to acknowledge the power and the joy and the love and the peace and the mercy and grace that your heavenly father passes down to you, those genetic predispositions aren't quite as powerful as you gave them up to be. That the inheritance of your earthly father has no power over the inheritance of your heavenly father. And it's time that we take up our place as a child of God here tonight. No matter where you are in your walk with God, if you're on day one or day 101, I don't care. It's time to make up in your mind that you are a child of God and refuse to be treated as anything less. See, when the devil attacks you, when he lies to you, whenever the world tries to knock you down, it's time to get Holy Ghost offended. Say, I don't think you know who my dad is. You ever heard that? You ever the people like the lawyer's sons or the people like, oh, you don't, do you know who my dad is? If you knew who my dad was, you wouldn't be saying that. 
if you knew who my dad was and I call my dad and he comes in here, he's not going to be happy. See, we got a heavenly father saying whenever the enemy comes against us, we're like, you must not know who my dad is. You must not know who my father is. Because when I call on my father and he hears what you're doing to me, he's not going to be happy. And if he's not happy, you're not going to be happy about it. So it's time for us to make up in your mind that you can't be talking to me that way, devil. You can't be talking to me that way, world. But I am a child of God. And when you begin to act like a child of God, power begins to follow. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, I'm a child of God. Somebody tell the devil, you don't must not know who my dad is. So let's hop back in the story. Zacchaeus, he was a cheat, a reject, and a shorty. I was going to say short king, but shout out all my short kings out there. But he hears that Jesus is passing through. And something about that piques the interest and the curiosity for Zacchaeus to want to decide to see who this man is. And so Zacchaeus goes to where everyone else is lined up because he sees the crowd. And so he goes, well, this must be where I can see Jesus. This must be where, where Jesus is. So that's where I'm going to go. But he couldn't see Jesus because he was short in stature. And you see, his experience, he did not find Jesus by going where the crowd was. He didn't experience Jesus doing what everybody else was doing because Zacchaeus was unique. He wasn't like everybody else. So why would his experience with Jesus be like everybody else's? And if you were at the rally Friday night a few Fridays ago, I touched on this a little bit, that your journey to discovering God in your life will not be found by following the crowd. That your revelation will not be found by living somebody else's walk with God, but you will only find true relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords by seeking not after the crowd, but after God himself. And so Zacchaeus does what we need to do when we find ourselves in a situation and in a position where we can't see God and we can't feel God. And so Luke 19, 3 through 4 says, so he ran out ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree in order to see him because he was about to pass through that way. Zacchaeus, in the spot that he was in, could not get into the presence of God. But he knew the path, and he knew where Jesus was going to be. And Zacchaeus aligns himself and aligns his feet with the direction that God is moving, in the direction that Jesus is moving. Because we may not, we may not always be able to see Jesus clearly. We may not always be able to feel his presence like we want to. Things may be in the way. Hurts may be in the way. Busyness, financial stress, school may be in the way. But if we know where God is going to be, then we can begin to align our steps with where we know God is going to be. And then we can get a glimpse of him. Then we can get a touch of him. And scripture says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Meaning no matter where you are, what situation you're in, you know where God is going to be. And that's where you are when you begin to praise. But in the will of God, you can say, I can't see God. I can't feel God. I'm hurting. I'm struggling. I feel alone. Let me worship. Let me align my feet with where I know God is going to be. Let me begin to praise. Let me begin to worship. Let me begin to sing. Let me begin to shout. Because then I know that God is going to be there because he said that he would be. 
So if you can't see God moving, if you can't feel his touch, get to where you know he will be. Get to worshiping, get to shouting, get to praising his name, and he will meet you there. But listen, I want to warn you that when you do that, it may not be, it may not always be pretty, but it works. Because Luke 19.4 says, so he ran on ahead and climbed up the sycamore tree in order to see him. See, the city of Jericho, it was known as the city of palms. They had palm trees all around. And, you know, if anyone's ever seen a palm tree, if anyone's like me, if I see that I'm in an area with palm trees, I know I'm in the right place. Because I see palm trees, I'm like, we're close to the beach. This is vacation. This is luxury. This is fancy. I like it when I'm around a place I see palm trees. I associate them with all those good things, and it's a beautiful thing. But scripture doesn't say Zacchaeus climbed up a palm tree. But he climbed up a sycamore tree. A far less beautiful, less luxurious tree, but a tree that was stronger. A tree that was sturdier. But a tree with branches low enough for him to reach and to climb. See, the path that elevates you into the position that God is wanting to speak to you in may not look like what everybody else classifies as luxurious as glamorous, as the popular road. Your path to elevation may not look like a palm tree. It may not look glamorous, but when the winds blow, I don't want to be in a palm tree. I don't want to be swaying. I don't want to be bending, but I want to be in something that's going to stand against the winds of the trial. Worship may not be the most luxurious option, but it works. Reading the word may not be a palm tree, but when you get into the presence of God and the spirit of where the Lord is, there is freedom. There is liberty. There is deliverance from what's been holding you captive. It may not be pretty, but it works. In Jesus' name. And then it says right here, we're moving on in the story, that when, Z- when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And scripture doesn't say this outright, and so I'm kind of using my imagination, but it never implies that Jesus was surprised to see Zacchaeus up there. It doesn't ever say that Zacchaeus asked him why he was in a tree It never says that Jesus even asked Zacchaeus what his name was. He just calls out to him, Zacchaeus, come down. So what this leads me to believe is that although Zacchaeus could not see Jesus before, Jesus saw Zacchaeus the whole time. That Jesus knew exactly where Zacchaeus was the entire time, even though Zacchaeus could not see Jesus yet. And he was trying and he was fighting and he was climbing. Jesus knew the whole time where Zacchaeus was and saw him clearly. Jesus knew who Zacchaeus was, why he was where he was. And what we need to realize here tonight is just because you may not be able to feel God right now, you may feel like you don't know who God is, that you can't see God, that you can't feel him. God has never taken his eye off of you, that God knows where you are right now. God knows who you are right now, and God knows why you are where you are right now. And in your trial, you may lose focus on Jesus. It happens. But Jesus has never taken his eye off of you. And if you think of the story of Peter walking on water, when he has his eyes on Jesus, everything is good. And he's seeing him, and it's miraculous, and things are happening, but then storms come, and he gets distracted, and he starts looking, and then he begins to sink. 
And Peter loses his sight of Jesus, but Jesus' hand never left Peter's life. That the whole time he reached out and said, you may have lost focus on me. You may have lost your eye contact with me, but I never stopped looking at you. And when you begin to fall, my hand was there for you to grab. And so there's times when you were high and you felt like you were good with God, but then you got further away. Both times God had his eyes on you. That God sees you now if you're in the valley. God sees you now if you're on the mountaintop. And wherever you go, God's eye will never leave you. Because he is the God that sees us. He's the God that will see you in your good times. He's the God that will see you when you're trying to climb the tree to get closer to him. And tonight he's saying to you, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Jesus is saying, come to me and I will dwell in your house. James 4 and 8 says, come close to God and he will come close to you. It doesn't say if you have it all together that he'll draw close to you. It doesn't say that if you have a position in the church that he'll draw close to you. It doesn't say that if you've been perfect your whole life that he'll draw close to you. If you draw close to him, God is going to draw close to you. It doesn't matter if you're a licensed minister, if you're an usher, or if you're a tax collector. If you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. You musicians, you may come. There is nobody, nobody that is too far gone to come to Jesus tonight. There is no distance too great. There is no sin too big that will prevent God from forgiving you and drawing near to you. And Zacchaeus, it says right here, but Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, half of my possessions I'm giving to the poor. And I've, if I've extorted anything from anyone, I'm giving back four times as much. This is repentance. This is him saying, I've done, I've done wrong. I, I feel bad about it. And this could separate me from you right now. I could say, you're not worthy to come to my house. I'm, I'm going to leave you alone. Or I'm going to turn my life around. That there's something different about you, Jesus. And I've made riches. I've done good for my life. But there's something about you that I don't want these things anymore. I don't want this life anymore. And I'm giving everything else away because I need you to dwell in my house. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because he too, the sinner, the tax collector, the cheat, the reject, is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Salvation's for everyone. If you walked in here feeling lost, perfect. Salvation's for you. If you walked in here feeling like you're super close to God, perfect. Salvation's for you. If you came in here no matter what stage of your life, perfect. Salvation is for you no matter what we come up against. No matter the difficulty, the adversity, no matter the shortcomings that we have, no matter the flaws, Jesus is ready for someone tonight to make their way either back to him or to him for the first time. If everyone could stand, these altars are open. God has had his eye on you the whole time, seeing you in your struggle seeing you in your confusion 
and is waiting on you to make the move, to humble yourself, to do something that somebody of riches like Zacchaeus probably shouldn't have done and climb a tree and tear his clothes. And he humbled himself in that moment. But whenever you humble yourself, God will elevate you. God will promote you. God will see as you lower yourself to seek after him, he will elevate you to the position that he is wanting you to be in. That if you draw to him tonight, it won't be one-sided, but he will draw near to you that he will save, he will heal, he will restore, he will provide. What you need, he will be. And if you feel the call to come, draw near to God tonight, these altars are open. That God is here, he's looking for you, he has his arms stretched out and saying, Come down quickly. I must stay at your house. I must enter into your spirit. I must fill you with the Holy Ghost. I must give you power. I must give you what you need because if you want me, I will not turn you down. But I will love you. I will put you back together. I will restore you. I will deliver you. I will be everything that you need. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that you touch every single person in here, every person watching online. And God, I pray that we're able to put ourselves down and pick up, God, who you're wanting us to be. That we say, whatever it takes, I have to get a glimpse of you, God. However I have to act, whatever I have to do, whatever tree I have to climb, God, I need to see you. I need to be in your presence. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you be? All I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? As I walk now through the valley, let your love rise above every.
this place. The Lord is in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, drive on to again. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. God for a Yeah. Hey.
I would like to thank everybody that it's easy to not be at Youth Sunday services. It's easy to get home and stay home. And so every person that was here to support the youth to be a part of this service, it doesn't go unnoticed. The youth notice, it means the world to us. And I don't say it lightly, but I I truly do believe that this church is raising up warriors and soldiers in this youth group that I've had the kind of humble bragging, but it's necessary to what I'm trying to say that I've been blessed with the opportunity to start subbing, being a substitute teacher at the junior highs and high schools in the local area. And you hear, you know, that schools are a dark place. You hear that, you know, times are tough. And being in it, um, it it was shocking. And so when I see these kids knowing what they go through five days a week and then they come in on Wednesdays and they come in on Sundays and they pour their heart out and they get everything that they can so that way they can go back into their schools and be a light in a place like that. I don't take it lightly. It means the world. And I know that these kids, if you, if you could, if you're out of the youth group, stretch a hand towards these young people and begin to pray for them right now. Pray for strength. Pray for power. Pray for gifts of the Spirit and fruits of the Spirit. That, Father, the world needs us to be a light. The world needs you to shine through us, God. And we can't do that if we're running on empty. We can't be a light to the world. We can't reach the lost, God, if we are empty. But, Lord, I pray that as they pour out, that you pour into them, that their cup runneth over, that they walk into school on Monday with strength, with power, with gifts of the Spirit, with a word to the hurting, with comfort to those that are suffering. Let them be a reflection of you, God, in their schools. And, God, I pray for a revival that we can't even wrap our heads around to begin in our local schools and let it begin right here. Let it go home with every single student. Let faith rise. Let a spiritual authority take place in them. And in Jesus' name, amen. God bless y'all and y'all be victorious this week. Amen.